Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to the Driving Mall Show. Hi, I'm Paul. I'll be your host this evening as we get back in to the swing of things in 2023. Look at that, two weeks on the bounce. Wow, we are back and we are bad. Yes, that's right. We are pretty bad because we're pretty useless. But no, um, hopefully we're okay and you, you're enjoying it. Don't forget you can join us 8pm every Tuesday uh, on Facebook, YouTube and Twitter. Uh, do join in the live chat or you can catch the show as a podcast as well to search for New Zealand Sport Radio on your favourite podcatcher. Joining me this evening, it's uh, Stephen Harris. How are you doing, sir? Very good. Thank you, Paul. Always a privilege and a pleasure to be on the TDM. And I'll tell you what, we're consistent. Two in a row. Does that make us a consistent <laughs> team? We're on, we're on a roll now. It's, it's called a run. <laughs> oh, dearie me. Dearie me. Well, uh, part of the reason that we did sort of golf trucks, I had my parents visiting, and hence I had to finish off an open bottle of wine that my mum left. Um, so that's why I'm, wi- I'm on wine this evening. Um, I'm on tea. He's on tea, dear me. God, one of these days we'll get him. Uh, get, we'll get him up to uh, up to scratch. Let's uh, crack on with a couple of quick news items before we um, actually uh, sort of jump in to the meat of the show. Um, apparently, Premiership rugby finances are not sustainable. So the parliamentary report. Um, and uh, no shit Sherlock springs to mind there, uh, as <laughs> generally only one, or if you're lucky, two in a year will actually turn a profit. All the rest, all the all the rest are making losses. Uh, we've seen two go bust this year. So funny that um, that um, there we go. That we found out that uh, uh, that the the English Premiership is uh, not sus- not financially sustainable. Big surprise there. What happened about it? Who knows. Um, whether anything will actually happen, but um, there we go. Uh, I mean, no big surprise, is it, Stephen? On, on that one, no, not no, not really. Given the given the issues of uh, the Worcester Club and and also Wasps who who would be to get themselves uh, up running, but you do wonder if it's just a a bit of a band aid fix. Yeah, a matter of time there. Um, we've also had um, England's. Uh, squad announced for the uh, Six Nations. Um, Owen Farrell is still captain, which, um, to be honest with you, I disagree with. I don't like my kicker being the captain because purely uh, he doesn't get a chance to talk to the referee 
uh, and try and manage the referee at penalty times. And also, um, if you've just scored a try and you're taking the conversion, who is talking to the troops to get them ready for the next play and for the kickoff? So in my mind, I'm not a great fan of my kicker being my captain. Stephen, you're not a big fan of uh, Owen Farrell being captain either, are you? Um, I, I was going to say the other the other issue could be just in and around with the obviously some of the new rulings that are coming in in and around time as well. So he he won't have that extra time if he is the if he is the goal kicker. If there's something that needs to needs to be queried, you know, all of a sudden he's got to take that on board and then get himself set. Um, I don't know. He's he's got a little bit of a checkered checkered history in, in, in terms of his in terms of his tackle technique. But on on saying that, if you look through this side. He's a he's a pretty he's a pretty experienced uh, campaigner if you if you sort of look at the the rest of the rest of the this English squad I suppose you're probably looking into your pick maybe a Vuni Polo one of either one of the Vuni Polo brothers or Mario Otoje is probably your your next captain well you'd probably have to say a couple of those players maybe coming to the end of their end of their careers and in, in the case of, of Otoje. Yeah, I, I don't know. He's he's always struck me as, as captaincy material, Paul. So you you start looking out in the in the in the back line, and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of inexperience. So it really it may have come down to a case of not so much last man standing, but maybe one of your more experienced heads. Hence, he got the job, and and I I would imagine he probably has a a, a relationship yeah uh, with the uh, New England coach Borthwick as well. I mean, look, he's, he's, um, uh, Borthwick has been the assistant coach for uh, England, so obviously he's got a relationship there. Also, uh, Borthwick was on the British Irish Lions tour, um, where again, so, yeah, so they, they have known each other in, in those sort of places. Look, the, the assistant captain or the vice captains are Ellis Genge and Courtney Laws in there. I'm not I'm a bit surprised about that, as I'm not sure Courtney Laws actually, uh, does he is he a guaranteed starter uh, in that one? Um, I don't know, but... Um, so interesting one there. I mean, Billy Vinopola hasn't even been selected for the squad um, in this one, uh, as uh, well as Johnny May and Jack Mowell, as some of the other experienced players uh, that he could have had there in the backs. Mm. So a number of players that have been left out. So a bit of change there uh, with the, with the new coach coming in, which I guess is what you kind of um, kind of expect. I, I was going to say also, I suspect Tom Curry is out with an injury as well. He's a, he's another experienced head. Um, I don't know if they were responsible for choices at the end of the day, Paul. Yep, true, true. Um, so, the, so the, those ones missing. Also, um, uh, Underhill as well. Uh, I guess another player who I, I assume is, I mean, he spent a lot of his time uh, injured um, in, uh, in in that one. Um, so, good evening to Simon. Uh, we've got um, Charlie and also Nocturnal Rights joining us. Nocturnal Rights' laws was badly missed by England recently. Uh, and look, they are definitely going down that route that we've seen. I mean, South Africa has uh, championed by putting Peter Sefter Toy in that number six role of having either a Toji um, or in, or um, uh, what's the other one uh, um, that's, um, uh, or, or, or it's a Toji or Courtney Laws in that six, six uh, in, in that jumper. We've also had, I mean, Australia have tried it a little bit with some of the kind of the lock come sixes in there. Uh, the All Blacks have tried it with Scott Barrett um, playing playing six and Toku Vai uh, doing it for the Chiefs as well. So, I mean, look, it seems to be part of the way that they're going. So, uh, where the game is going currently. So, interesting on that one. Yeah, Charlie says that Johnny May has not had a good season um, in there. Um, but so, yeah, but 
it, so it's not surprising that that, that, that uh, so I, and especially wingers as you get older, uh, you tend to be one of the first ones that drops, don't you? I mean, but seeing if you see an all black winger over the age of twenty seven, um, it's extremely rare. Ben Smith being clearly the uh, the exception um, that proved the rule in that one. So a number of um, uh, uh, uncapped players: Finn Smith, the um, Northampton fly half. And then we got um, Ollie Hassel Collins, George McQuire, um, uh, Caden Murley, and Jack Walker. So a whole bunch of new faces for me to see uh, come in the Six Nations. <laughs> I'll be honest, and it's been very interesting to see uh, how um, Borthwick uh, goes with um, with this team uh, and how he runs it. Does he run with Marcus Smith at ten and Farrell at eleven? Sorry, Farrell at twelve, um, or does he put Farrell in at um, at uh, at ten? We will just have to um, see about that one. Alternative says, yeah, Scott Barrett should be starting lock now when all available. Well, don't worry, because uh, the main meat of this is going to be talking about coaching and also the uh, we'll start having a look at the All Blacks Rugby World Cup squad as well. So that will be the meat um, of uh, of this one. So let's just move on into, into the, our first big topic of the night then, which is um, Eddie Jones um, has been selected uh, or has been um, hired uh, as the... Uh, head coach um, for Australia. Now, ju not just for the men's team, um, but also for the um, Wallaroos as well uh, for the next um, five years. Uh, I, I, this is uh, a bit un unprecedented, Steve. What do you think about that, about him being head heading up the Wallaroos as well? Oh, I, I think it's pretty random, to, to, to be honest. I, I, I'm not sure if he's actually coached women's teams before. You know, we all know that Eddie... Has a has an interesting style to say the least, in and around his uh, his, his coaching techniques. Obviously, he drives drives teams very hard uh, in and around uh, SNCs, and uh, also he likes to get in their heads as well. I'm really not that sure, and, and as seen with um, with the with the Black Ferns coach or what what basically took place in the Northern Hemisphere team uh, back in 2021. We know that. Um, Glenn Moore style probably didn't uh, probably didn't sort of uh, fit into how the Black Ferns uh, culture was. So you you do wonder if uh, Eddie Jones is going to be the, the right fit for that uh, woman women's teams. Yeah, it's going to be as, as well. So I think he's had a massive experience with on the men's team, men's side, not the same experience on the women's side. Uh, maybe he'll take. I mean, but then again, if you think Wayne Smith didn't have uh, any experience in women's rugby before taking the uh, Black Ferns all the way to the Rugby World Cup um, last year. So um, uh, it's it, it'll be interesting to see how he goes. And I think he'll probably take on a more of a, uh, I'm guessing, uh, more of an oversight director of rugby role for the Wallaroos rather than kind of necessarily hands-on head coaching. Because trying to do that, trying to do the men's team, trying to also uh, overview, over, oversee a more centralised, uh, organised uh, super rugby um, position as well seems like an awful lot of um, uh, seems like an awful lot of different uh, uh, sort of pieces there for um, for him to do. Nocturnal rights says yeah to get um, the game uh, improve, improve the profile of the game uh, in uh, in Australia. Yeah, and on women's face it could do. Um, Charlie says she's sorry, feels sorry for Rene. Look, I think um, a lot of us were this. This came out of the blue. I think a lot of us thought since Rene made it through Christmas that essentially. Um, he was safe now through till the Rugby World Cup. Um, so for him, because we, we obviously we saw both Eddie Jones and um, Pivak go 
uh, in England and Wales during December, straight after November, or was it November or December? So we assumed that since since Rennie had um, survived that, that he was going to make it through to the Rugby World Cup. But um, it wasn't to be. Uh, and yeah, you've got to feel sorry for Rennie. But look, from what I hear, he's off to a very nice contract uh, running Kobe Steelers up in Japan. So I don't uh, I don't think we have to worry where his next meal's going from, Stephen. No, no, not at all. He's a he's a he's a well established coach. Got a got a, got a great record. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he'll bounce on his feet, and I'm pretty sure um, uh, Rugby Australia will have to pay him out accordingly. <laughs> as as well, I don't, I don't think whilst they, whilst they brought Eddie on board, I don't think to release Rennie's going to come uh, uh, particularly cheap. But uh, yeah, who wants to be a coach at the moment? Even in the uh, uh, French top fourteen, uh, Claremont coach. Uh, John O'Gibbs also shown the door this week as well. So here's a couple of Kiwi coaches that have uh, been uh, shown the door. I- ironically, I think we're both ex-Chiefs as well. Yeah, it couldn't happen to a better man than John O'Gibbs as well. I mean, geez, I don't feel sorry for him one little bit. Sorry. Um, <laughs> someone that I had uh, ooh, not the ooh. best not the best relationship with when he was at some... Uh, as, as, so he, when he was my Cato head coach, uh, he agreed to give me a uh, an interview to talk about the differences between coaching in the northern hemisphere and the southern hemisphere, or in in Europe and in and, in, uh, and uh, he kept on putting it off. And then on the final, he said, "Yes, I'll come back and see you." Um, and uh, I waited till midnight; he didn't even turn up. So thank you very much, Johnny Gibbs. Um, uh, so uh, yeah, nice, nice, nice work there. You could have just said no to no That's to the interview. Very, I was going to say very professional of you, Paul. I know you're one never to hold a grudge. <laughs> The uh, yes, so anyway, um, so look, uh, and again, Johnny Gibbs. Let's be honest, uh, he'll 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 bounce back and find another coaching coaching gig coaching um, gig anyway. Um, so um, so look, uh, look, uh, Simon Hughes says I've heard good things about Johnny Gibbs in the coaching. Look, let's be blunt here. Uh, he took he came back to Waikato and won the championship. He is a good coach. Don't get me wrong. He knows how to coach players. He's a good rugby coach. Um, dealing with the media uh, is perhaps a different uh, different part of it though. Um, uh, it's um, we'll, we'll come to good coaches who. Uh, perhaps not the nicest people um, later on as well, uh, but um, but no. Look, uh, his coaching credentials are fantastic. Uh, he obviously assistant coach to Ron Nogara at La Rochelle, and I think they what didn't they win the European Champions Cup? So look, he is a good coach and knows his rugby. Don't get me wrong on that one at all. Um, Charlie, Paul, just a quick cheeky question: What do you think about replacing Eddie, Eddie this close to a rugby world cup? Look, I think that replace that um, the, the the replacement to uh, England, Wales, and Australia, this close to the Rugby World Cup, are all too late. Um, I think it's been pretty. It's it's interesting that both the England and the Australian appointments are for five years, whereas the Welsh one, as far as I know, is not at this time. So, uh, it's um, and uh, well, I mean, Warren Gatland. We'll, we'll come on to um, uh, to to something. Um, actually, no, I'll do it. I'll, I'll, I'll do it now. Let, let's. Um, let me just. I'm just going to uh, share my screen and uh, and um, while, you're, show, while you're doing uh, that, Paul, Paul, Paul. While you're doing uh, looking for that uh, shot, you got up. I, I'm going to disagree. I don't think it's that late in the piece because you know if you think about the, the Rugby World Cup, it's about hitting that tournament and, and getting some momentum. And really, at the end of the day, all you need is three good games. If you've got three good games in you you're more than capable of winning the World Cup. That's if you get past the, the round robin into the, the quarterfinal. And if you kind of look at the draw 
in the case of both England and Australia, it wouldn't surprise me if one of those two teams progresses, given the side of the draw that they're actually on. And then it, and then it might just come down uh, to 80 minutes at the end of the day. I, I, although if I was a betting man, I'd, ha- I'd, I'd probably put more money on on England than I would Australia. But I'm saying that Australia can get their best 23 players on the on the paddock. Boy, they're they're going to be a dangerous beast as well. I will get this disagree. I guess it comes on to combinations then as to as to do you inherit combinations and improve the uh, the environment and, and you're happy with those combinations or if you try and set up new new combinations I think that, that might be uh, part of the um, that, that, that's where it go, goes kind of wrong interesting tweet by Drew Mitchell where he put that uh, it reminds me a lot of 2019 six to eight months before the rugby world cup rugby um, AU's leadership lost faith lose faith in the head current coach 2019 they appoint a selection panel because they don't have faith in checker 2023 they sack Rennie at what point um, does the focus turn on the people who make the appointments in the first place? Um, these tweets aren't about my thoughts on who or who shouldn't be in charge. Uh, to some extent, it feels like history repeating itself. So uh, uh, an interesting one there. Yeah, that actually uh, he's, he's not making comments necessarily about the uh, whether uh, Rennie should stay or should or, or, or Jones should come in or shouldn't come in. But he's saying, look, the process is wrong. You shouldn't be. I don't think it's fair on Jones in some ways. Um, I don't think it's fair on Borthwick to be treating them this far out. Paul, I, I just wonder if this, they've already hit, if they had this decision locked in for a while, because if you recall, only a few days into the new new year, one of the assistant coaches, Scott, Scott uh, Wisemantle, who's highly regarded, actually resigned from the Wallaby squad, and he basically put it down, down to the fact that he actually wanted to spend more time with his family and other business interests you kind of do wonder if there's something that he knew that nobody else knew or else well, those other people knew you at the time. But it sounds like Dave Rennie was caught by surprise by this. So, um, so, inter- so yeah, so interesting that, uh, as you mentioned on that one. Uh, Chris Williams-Bailey, all national unions are disliked by the fans and players of their own country. Well, yes, that's probably true to a large a large degree. Um, Shirley, I heard Nick Evans coming into England, uh, so England to start running and playing the ball. Um, so this is something we talked about a little bit last week uh, with uh, Stephen's sort of uh, waxing lyrical about Nick Evans. But um, look, uh, at the end of the day, uh, I, th- I think we are various teams in their DNA play a certain way because that's how the players have played all their life. And if you try and change their style of play at the last uh, at, at the last minute, then it kind of doesn't work. So uh, an England team, because of how they all play in the Premiership, how they play uh, day in, day out, will always have a forward-orientated platform. Um, and uh, the question then is how much, uh, when you go wide, and how much degree of when you go wide. Um, but it's very much going to be a an England, uh, a forward-dominated game when you're talking about England, I believe. But uh, Stephen, are you on the same page there? Or do you think Nick Evans is going to rip up the rule book and suddenly we're going to have free-flowing Fiji and seven-star rugby from England? Um, I don't know if you'll have free-flowing style as Fiji, but you know, like I said, if you if you look back to the last 15 minutes against the All Black um, at Twickenham when they snatched snatched a draw, boy, when they move, when they actually do do move the ball, they actually look good good pull. So it's it's not as if 
it's something that's that's not ingrained in them not to actually do it. I think that I think they, they're more than capable of it. Anybody who, who follows uh, the uh, Gallagher Premiership, boy, you see some really really good tries in that competition. Some really good outside backs, I, I suppose. It's it's really all about having the players in the midfield. You know, your your ball players, your guys who can send, who can identify space out wide, and I think that's always sort of been the pro the problem for England is just not having that that real midfield midfield pairing that can can spark that can. Uh, and I've lost Stephen there. Hopefully uh, you guys have all got him and it's a problem at my end rather than anything else. Um, but yeah, I think he's quite right there. Look, that midfield pairing for England is going to be key and has been a problem since probably 2003 um, when you had Will Greenwood, uh, um, uh, um, Mike, Tingle, Mike Tindall uh, and also uh, Mike Cat in there. So um, just uh, well, the, the thing I was, the, the, I was going to bring up was having a look at when countries change um, their coaches uh, and as you uh, if you have a quick um, look at that uh, diagram you'll see that uh, this is the first World Cup where people have been changing their coaches less than less than 12 months out from the Rugby World Cup and three sides um, are all um, doing it um, at the uh, um, same time which is kind of a really interesting one um, of uh, that, uh, that, look, that suddenly uh, it's I guess it's a bit of a change um, in, uh, in, in in culture, look, we had four coaches change uh, in the uh, just over twelve in the twenty twenty two come twenty twenty three, uh, so two years ahead of the Rugby World Cup or a year and a bit ahead of the World Cup. We had three ahead of twenty nineteen, only two ahead of twenty fifteen, none ahead in two thousand eleven. So, um, uh, but then again, we did have uh, three and four uh, the two previous ones. So, so that maybe uh, the, the, the time frame is coming shorter. Uh, and also perhaps a, a couple more um, as well uh, in there. Um, what I've also so interesting at that that uh, basically you've got you've basically got New Zealand, um, South Africa, um, France, um, Ireland, uh, and uh, Scotland are the sides that have got the head coach that they expected to take the Rugby World Cup at the beginning of the cycle uh, are actually going to take them there. And I will bring up another one that uh, that Sasha did. I'll, I'll, I'll do that now, but. So what we can see um, here is if we look at the intended coaches uh, that uh, the Tier 1 nations expected to take them to the Rugby World Cup, um, we're at five at this time. Six in the previous two, nine in 2011. Wow, that was a very stable um, a very stable um, setup there heading into that Rugby World Cup. I've got Stephen back here. So, uh, But Stephen, yeah, looking here at the, uh, if we look at the Tier 1 nations uh, in the, uh, well, since the turn of the century as to, the coach who was coaching the team at the beginning of the World Cup cycle, um, and who it was that took them all the way, through, and did that did that coach take that team all the way to the Rugby World Cup? Um, we've got five coaches doing that this time. Um, we had six in the previous two Rugby World Cups. Nine of them had the proper run up to 2011, which should suggest that 2011 should have been a classic Rugby World Cup, as as uh, all the coaches had time to meld and organise their teams there. Um, 2003, wow, it was a bit haphazard. Um, and I guess professionalism still uh, really getting hold there. But um, those numbers surprised you, Steve, or something you, you kind of uh, you, you expected out of the 10 tier one teams? Yeah, 
probably no real surprise at the end of the day. Listen, just before I, I, I fell off, I was about to ask you a question in and, in and around Australia because I've been having a really good um, debate on the social network with a, with a chappie in and around Australia. And my question to you, Paul, if you look at Australia's history in Rugby World Cups, are they actually overachievers? And I'll, and I'll put that to the audience as well. Are they overachievers? And why I say that, they've actually won two World Cups. They've actually also been in two cup finals. They've also been, uh, if I recall, maybe a semi, they might have been in a, a semi final as well against um, New Zealand in 2011. Yes, at, uh, at Eden Park, also another 1987, they were in a semi final against uh, also France, which, which they lost at uh, Ballymore in Brisbane. So, for a country where it's their, what, arguably probably their fourth placed. Of their, of their winter sports behind AFL, NRL, football, and then rugby? Are they overachievers? I think they are overachievers, and, and again, on the, the budget side of things as well. Uh, and I, I think one of the things that Eddie Jones mentioned was that one of the reasons they uh, they achieved so well initially was that they took on uh, professionalism very quickly. Uh, and, uh, well, perhaps they would have had shamatourism um, before that. Um, so the... Um, so you got it. Yes, I, I do think they are overachieving for their player base uh, as, as well, the number of players that they have. You've got to say that they have a smaller player base there. You've got to say that France underachieve on, on, those, on, on those sort of same criteria. They've got the money, they've got the player base, but they've never won a final. England as well, again, one of the, uh, again, money and player base, only won one final. And they've been to a couple more, but... Um, but they've only won one. So uh, you can say, yes, that Australia overperformed, whereas you look at your, 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 your France's and England's have kind of underperformed when you think about the, re the resources they have available um, to, uh, to, to, to play. Um, so, uh, Shira says, um, sorry, Charlie says, uh, I can't believe I'm saying this, but they used to have some awesome talent. Oh, look, they've definitely got talent um, there. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, but um, one of the things we've, we've kind of said about Australia is, they have 23 good players. Do they have 30? <laughs> That's the, they just, don't, they just don't have quite the same depth. And one of the things that Dave Rennie's had to do is create some depth because of those injuries. And that will bode well for Eddie Jones um, this uh, this year. But to bring us back to um, the, uh, the, the, the the kind of, um, the, 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 uh, the around the coaches thing, so, as we can see, this is the first time that three coaches, as I've said, have, have been replaced within 12 months of a Rugby World Cup, um, which is which is different. We've talked uh, talked kind of around this. I mean, a lot of changes there you see heading into the 2015 Rugby World Cup. This one, um, Italy are the only team, uh, sorry, Italy and um, Australia uh, and then Wales, the only ones that have actually replaced their coaches twice uh, in this cycle. I, they, put, they put a brand, but two of those kind of came in at the beginning of the cycle, uh, where if you look at uh, into um, into the 2015 Rugby World Cup, where you've got um, had two changes heading into that one, with Robbie Deans getting replaced in 2013, uh, and then Checker coming in in 2014. Uh, so, uh, look, it's it's been a relatively stable place apart from um, Italy, and obviously we had that surprise change in Argentina. Argentina got themselves out of kilter. 
at the moment with the see they've, they've changed their head coach the year before Rugby World Cup twice now uh, in the last two. Um, and they need to, I don't know if Checker will sit, sit, sit in and go through for another, uh, a full cycle or not, but it'll be interesting to see that. Looking beyond the Rugby World Cup, um, Stephen, well, with Eddie Jones now signed up for five years, he, that's the Australian seat locked in. England, again, have done the same sort of thing. That's locked in. Ireland with uh, Andy Farrell. You've got to say, unless he has an absolutely disastrous Rugby World Cup, I can see him locked in for another four years. We've just heard that um, Razi Rasmus uh, and um, Jacques Nabar are locked in for another four years at um, South Africa as well for the World Cup cycle. So um, it's uh, it, it does get um, uh, it, those those are the four seats that are I think locked in now for uh, for the next World Cup cycle. By the way, uh, when we were talking about some um, good coaches, not nice people, um, I was talking about Razi. Um, but there you go. That was my my reference earlier. But. Uh, um, but Stephen, you think, um, and, we've, and we've talked about all the others, but Razzie and Jacques Neymar, you think they're doing a good job? Think that it's, uh, it's right for, for um, South Africa to have locked them in for another cycle? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one because, listen, results, if, you were, if you're basing them purely on, on, on results, um, whilst, they, whilst they won a series against the, the, the British and Irish Lions, and, and, you know, that's one of those... Um, you know, those, ones, those are ones that you actually put on a in a, in a tick box. They, they won the series. They haven't really played great rugby, but what they have developed, a little bit like Dave Rennie, ironically, is a lot of depth because when it comes to depth, I think they've probably got the best depth across any international uh, team at the minute. You kind of look around their, their provincial rugby, there's nobody coming through uh, any of their provincial teams that, Really stands out unless we got somebody watching the show from South Africa who can correct me. Correct me. Otherwise, I think it might be all. It just might be a case of maybe you know not a lot around at the minute for for South Africa. Now, once again, I stand to be corrected. I, they, 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 they may have some very good coaches uh, coaching their provincial teams, but I'm just unsure. Yeah, it's true. It's the. Um... I say he's 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 got he's nailed the big ones, hasn't he? he nailed the Rugby World Cup. Um, they nailed the British and Irish Lions. Um, as if they don't, if they go well in the Rugby World Cup, then you can say, look, they nailed the big ones, and they use the ones oh. in between for preparation. Um, is one way of looking at it. The other way of looking at it is, yeah, that yep. they uh, they get lucky occasionally, and they happen to get lucky at the big big time. Yep. I don't know. You make your own luck in some well, ways. Um, well, well, big part. That was very really to to not mention the the World Cup, the World Cup winners and. Boy, if they can go to go to back to if they can go back to back, or even get get to get to a final, they're, they're probably the right guys. I suppose, I suppose for South Africa now that they're developing a lot of these brilliant um, outside backs that we, we, we're currently seeing at the minute, how much do they want to develop their game, or do they want to stay with what they know? Yep. Yeah, true. And I'll be interested if those guys can change that one. So the other piece of that, the flip side is. There are three definitely open seats that I can see after the Rugby World Cup. We've got New Zealand, um, where I think everyone knows the Foster is not going to get renewed, whatever happens. Um, we've got um, Wales, um, where I don't know, does Gatland want to and do they want Gatland to go through a World Cup cycle? Um, from what I hear, um, Townsend is uh, definitely on the out in Scotland as well. So there's three open seats um, that I can see for Head coaches, and we talked a lot. Of, we talked about those three, or about at least two of them, and who might go into each one. 
uh, looking at probably Razor going to Scotland and Jamie Joseph going to New Zealand is apparently the uh, the moment the uh, the smart money. But um, I still think Razor will will, uh, will get the All Blacks job. Um, that leaves a bunch of question marks then um, around uh, uh, around three seats there. Argentina, um, do you think Checker will stick around for a, a, a full World Cup cycle, or is it was he a stopgap? Was he kind of a short term measure um, with someone else lined up? Do you think, Stephen? And it's great to know that every single show we get one time when Stephen forgets the email. <laughs> I do, I do, I do apologise. No, I was actually just talking to myself there. Actually, <laughs> I didn't like, didn't like the answer though. Um, I was going to say, you know, he's. I, I think he's a coach that that longs for a bit of success at, at the international level, and it wouldn't surprise me if he does hang in her hand. I I think that'll be determined on how well Argentina's uh, rugby world cup. Yeah, I'll be interested to see how that one goes. France, um, look, uh, the, the current coach seems to be doing a good job. I wouldn't be surprised if they're going to be, uh, if they get reappointed. Um, France, if you actually look at that, um, uh, if you look at their, their, their record of how they handle their coaches, they've only once replaced a coach um, mid-World Cup cycle. Every other time, they appoint a coach at the beginning of the cycle and they stay with him, which is a fantastic um, record, similar to New Zealand, where New Zealand changed in 2002. But apart from that, have... Um, given each each of their coaches a, a full cycle. So um, as much as we sort of talk about, and I remember obviously in 2011 in particular, where there was kind of an uprising of the uh, players against the coach, but the coach seems to, does survive the full World Cup cycle, even if he doesn't uh, get on with the players, which is kind of interesting. So um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, um, if, if they, uh, well, I, I, yeah, what was going on there? Anyway, if the French do replace the head coach, I can't see them going with a non-French coach. They never have. Um, and um, I just can't see them. Uh, the only option might be if Edwards were to get, so if Sean Edwards were to get promoted from assistant to head coach, has he been in the environment for four years, had shown that he was, uh, I think it's four, yeah, four years, uh, I think it's and has shown that he kind of understands the environment, understands the culture, understands the language. Um, that would be my only way I could see that not being a, not being a French head coach. Um, and then Italy, it'll be interesting to see whether Italy continue with their head coach or whether they decide to uh, refresh there. But um, yeah, not many options uh, there. So I think if you are an, if you are a coach that wants international international opportunities at Tier One, you can't really turn down any offers that come your way. <laughs> I think that's where Razor needs to be a bit careful on that one. Yeah, I tend to agree there. And sometimes, you know, like Jamie Joseph, you, you sometimes may have to go and cut your teeth on a, on a team that's not considered one of your more um, tier one tier one nations. And, you know, if you look at what Jamie's done with, with Japan, he certainly made them a very, very competitive team and, a, 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 and also a dangerous team at, at World Cups. There's both Scotland and Ireland found out at the 2019 Rugby World Cup uh, just relating to Italy, boy, why wouldn't you keep Kieran Crowley? Just seems to me he's got a really good thing going at the moment. He seems to have this Italian team playing a little bit more of an, of an attractive brand of rugby, but also a brand of rugby that makes them very competitive. And, uh, you know, getting the odd win along the way also helps as well as victories over Wales and uh, also Australia. Um, boy, what, what, 
what did that happen in the space of uh, a few weeks, didn't it, Paul? That was that was pretty good. Um, yeah, no, look, he's, he, you say he, he, is, he is heading in the right direction. And I think if you look at that, uh, the, the history of Italy, of Italy and, their, and their head coaches is, look, they just don't um, uh, keep a... Um, uh, just don't keep a coach around for very long. I, I think Conor O'Shea was doing a fantastic, was doing a really good job about laying groundwork for the next next cycle, and uh, but then went off and uh, became, joined the RFU in there uh, uh, as, as a kind of whatever role it was. Now um, it was a shame. So I think actually Italy could do with having somebody around for six to eight years to really have the time to put in, build grassroots, and and have that continuity. Um, I think it would be great. Simon says, Jones not guaranteed to be coached the next World Cup cycle. Jones removed them um, if they're poor results. Yeah, look, clearly um, we're working here on the assumption that uh, uh, on looking at people's contracts rather than necessarily looking at um, uh, a, a surprise removals like we've had with Dave Rennie um, in this one, um, clearly. So, Stephen, I think it's time for us to have a look at the... Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Uh, all Blacks now, and uh, to uh, to have a look at uh, who might and who might not be on the um, aeroplane heading to France um, in this one. And so what I've done is I've gone through um, and added all of the uh, players that were part of the uh, um, All Blacks squad uh, for the uh, for the Northern Hemisphere, um, and um, I've also uh, added a uh, a couple more. Let me just try and zoom out a little bit so you can actually see. Um, can we get all back threes in there? Oh, not quite. I can't quite. Uh, doesn't quite um, fit everyone. There we go. We can fit everyone in um, now. Um, there. So thirty-one slots um, are available at uh, the to, to head to France. As you can see down the side there, I've added in um, the uh, the thirty-one uh, numbers. You can see there are thirty-one slots now for players to head to the Rugby World Cup in France. And now this um, um, lists uh, all the players, that includes all the players who are on the November tour, plus a, uh, a couple of others. So starting at the uh, top there, Stephen, looking at some um, loose head prop, um, I think the way that uh, Ethan de Groot and uh, Tura Lomax were both um, uh, picked so frequently last season, I think we can put those two guys in there as they've uh, they've got seats on the aeroplane at the moment, and barring any kind of um, uh, sort of extremely poor form or injury, those two are going to the uh, Rugby World Cup. 
I would suggest that George Bauer, Ofatwanga Fasi and Nipo Luolala are currently penciled in to the um, the remaining three spots for props with Offer providing cover on both sides, which is why he um, goes um, in that one. Um, and uh, then um, uh, waiting at home, these guys who, who have got a chance, but I don't think are... Um, uh, but at the moment, I don't think our first choice, but looking for basic injuries or having a fantastic season to get there. You're looking at Aidan Ross, Carl Twinokapi, Angus Taavo and Fletcher Newell. Uh, someone who can take a holiday um, and um, doesn't have to worry about going to the Rugby World Cup is Joe Moody, is uh, my expectation. Any, uh, do, do you agree with how I've ranked those, the, the props at the moment, Stephen, or do you think um, some of those props have got more of a chance or less of a chance than I've given them? Oh, I think probably Super Rugby will, will will determine whether some of these guys <clears throat> make the cut. And I'm talking probably more in the Fletcher Fletcher Newell mode, especially. I I wouldn't totally write Joe somebody like Joe Moody off. Um, listen, if he if he can come back and and still show that he displays some form, because we know he's a very very good scrummager, and I think it's really important that you have a battery prop to Ken, Ken Scrummage. Um, boy, he'd, he'd still be in my, and he'd still be in, he'd still feature in my team. But listen, Paul, all in all, I think I'm not really too far. We're pretty much on the same page, really. So I'm sorry, it says if Moody is fit, then he's in. I, I disagree there. I think he's um, actually probably on the outer at the moment. I could be wrong. On the hookers one, I think it's pretty clear that um, Cody Taylor and uh, Samasoni Tuakulaho um, are the uh, two first choice hookers. Um, Dane Coles, uh, I think there is probably goes as the third hooker with as far a Mua um, available then as uh, as injury cover on that one. Any hookers I've missed out um, or and you disagree with the order that I've put them in there? No, not, not really. Um, probably the only other player that really comes into in, into question is maybe George Bell. As a as a promising promising young player, but listen, if they if they did have an injury to one of those three, I would probably suggest a sufferer more will come into the side because he's got a bit of experience up his belt. He did tour with the New Zealand uh, A side uh, to the Northern Hemisphere, so yeah. To me, though, these I, I think the five now that you've added those extra two names are pretty much you know two two of those guys are going to be unlucky. Yep. Into the locks then, I think Scott Barrett, Barry Rutanik, Sam Whitelock, they're all going to the World Cup with um, at, at the moment. Um, I would take four, I think, and I think Topu Va'ai is, the, uh, is currently the, uh, the, the next one uh, that's, that's likely to go uh, unless Patrick Tobolossi or Josh Lord put in fantastic super rugby performances. Um, that's, uh, that's how I kind of rank them at the moment. Um, you agree with that one? Have we got the, got the balance quite right there? Yep. Yeah, unless, Any other unless, and, uh, yeah, unless, unless there's somebody um, has an injury, the only other real name that I can really think of, and that's a player player returning from a long term injury, and that's Putty Putty Parkinson, um, New Zealand New Zealand Maori lock, um, very very good player. Uh, I know there was a little bit of talk about the uh, the boy now, and it just escapes, escapes, escapes my name from Canterbury. Uh, young toured with the New Zealand, uh, the New Zealand A side. His name just escapes me. I do apologise, Paul. Um, he was um, he was very very good, but gee, 
pretty inexperienced. I'd say probably uh, the locks you've got there are, are pretty much the ones that are that are in the loop. Yeah, so on that, so suddenly just bring up the current squad for um, the Crusaders. So for Scott Barrett, Mitchell Dunshay, Zach Gallagher, Quentin Strange, and Sam Whitelock. So I think you're probably talking about Zach Gallagher there? Zach Gallagher, yeah. So we'll throw him in yeah, as a uh, as a waiting at home for now. Yeah, there's there's Quint, there's Quentin Strange as well. You see players like, like Strange coming equation. If there's if there's injury, you, you kind of look around some of the other franchises. I think I, I might have been Nocturnal or, or, or one of the uh, one of the watches put up that um, New Zealand's depth is is a little bit short. Well, definitely in that uh, locking position, I, I tend to think. You know, after the after the big three, they look, they're very very short on international uh, experience. Now, Noctara says I would go PPP, but coaches don't like really big men like him. Now, look, I don't think it's his size that uh, is something that they don't like. Um, now, Parry, Parry Parkinson did a um, interview on the uh, What's a Lad podcast, um, which was um, uh, which was an interest uh, interesting listen, and he said that, um, and he came across as not the not the most diligent player, basically. And he said, look, sometimes I get up um, after first, or I get up after first phase and ask Quinton Strange, hey, what's the play? Um, you're like, come on, mate. <laughs> when you're playing at, at, uh, at Minor 10 Cup, you should know if you're supposed to hit the second first or the second ruck after each play or after each um, after each line out. Uh, to be having to ask your mate on that one, whereas Quinton Strange, you know, the difference is, look, yeah, he's switched on. He knows what the play is. He's part, he, he's, 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 He's more professional there. I think that lack of professional, professionalism, I think, will hurt Perry Perry Parkinson um, at the highest level um, there. But so, uh, yeah, a player of, um, of ability. And there's also the player from um, the Hurricanes uh, and who moved up to Bay of Plenty. I've gone blank. He uh, paints his fingernails. Um, oh, uh, who is a who's a big player as well. So uh, who's also in there that uh, that, that can, do a, can do a job. Um and I'm trying to talk while I'm uh, while I'm uh, googling hurricanes. Bring up the uh, playlist to remind myself who he is. And um, I am talking about Isa uh, Walker Laurie, uh, another player there who, um, who I think has the potential, but I don't think has been part of the setup um, to uh, to actually get in there uh, and 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 on on that one. I'll turn around, it's Parkinson likes to hurt the opposition, apparently. Look, I think quite a lot of forwards are in that are in that category. Um, nocturnal rights. Paul, uh, <laughs> Paul, I was gonna I, I was gonna say if you if you wanted an absolute bolter to, to come out to come out of nowhere, and this kid is very highly highly rated. He's got he's definitely got the size and he's one of the, the biggest locks running around in well, he will be one of the biggest rocks locks running around in a super rugby, is Fabian Holland. From the Highlanders, um, New Zealand, under under twenties, um, a lot of potential. This kid, but like I say, there's a bit of traffic in front of him before he got into this team. But you never know. He, if he has a standout season for the uh, for the Highlanders, anything's possible. I'm pretty sure yeah, the rights will agree with me. Yeah, he's got if, if eligible. He said, is, uh, "I don't quite don't know what uh, Fabian Holland's um, uh, ancestry is." Uh, and what his eligibility is like for um, for that one. Um, so we'll, um, we'll 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 see that. But yes, I, when you look at um, 
the the number of names uh, in there. There's <laughs> there's a lot of traffic uh, coming through in that lock department. Um, Charlie, when we get on to the next one, it says um, a young guy from Otago playing eight um, is, uh, is is impressive. And uh, Nocturnal Rights has uh, gone and pulled out um, the name Leo Willie um, Charlie, apparently there uh, on that one. But um, look, I think in the back row, I would be, uh, well, obviously you've got, you got Sam Kane and Ardi Surveyor um, are definitely in there. Um, to me, Shannon Frizzell, Kiriwani and uh, Dalton Papulihi, perhaps not in that order, um, are penciled in uh, at the moment. Uh, would be a five, your five back rowers, uh, I think. Um, Billy Harmond and Hoskins Tutu, who were part of the uh, uh, the, the setup, I think, can, uh, I could probably next camp off the rank. But Peter Gustafsalkula, unfortunately, um, has been discarded. Uh, and I said he can go on holiday because I don't think, even though he did appear for the All Blacks in 2022, I can't see him making his way through to uh, the World Cup team. Um, I agree with that. Again, agree with how I've ranked those players or do you think there's some players there that I've, I've missed out or have I over-egged or under-egged some of those players? Yeah, listen, listen for me. If it came down to a straight shootout for a number seven, and I know in the past we, we've accused him of being a penalty penalty magnet, but uh, listen, I thought he was v very impressive in the NP NPC, and it was pretty much the reason why I, I thought Wellington got the job done. But the uh, skipper, uh, Duplessis Kurifi, I thought was just amazing, and he's probably one of the the better breakdown players in New Zealand in terms of players players over the ball. I'd love to see what his his turnover rate. I know. There's been question marks about the number of uh, penalties that he gives away, but I think, I, you know, I think in an all-black environment, that's something that um, he can improve with. Um, the other player that I'm, I'm really keen to see again this year, a lot, a lot of talk about him about being an unlucky player, is also Callum, Callum, yeah, Ethan Blackadder, of course. How can we not uh, forget Ethan Blackadder? But also Callum Grace, as well, who's who's probably one of the best players on opposition line-out ball in, in the country. Mobile, I suppose the question marks is just really in and around his, his physicality at another another ceiling or another level. Yeah, so there's a bunch of names there um, that uh, I mean, suggest that Ethan Blackadder is ahead of Vakiri um, the in, in the All Blacks thinking. Now, this is, I guess, what we're, what we're trying to do, what I'm trying to do here is is what I think Ian Foster will do, not necessarily what I think, what what, what I would do um, necessarily with with, with these. Um, uh, so where do you, where where do you send that? Do you think do you think um, that uh, um, do you think that uh, Ethan Blackhead is ahead of Akiriwani, or or um, or where do you think they are? Uh, have I got yeah. that quite right there, or in, in your back thinking? Listen, for me personally, I'd, I'd have Ethan Blackadder ahead of Akira Yuani, and it's basically just in and, around, in and around work rate. We know that Ethan Blackadder, if you think back to uh, to 2021, especially in that second test against the Springboks, I actually thought he was outstanding in a beaten team. In fact, both his performances against the Springboks, you know, against the, the team that I consider the best pack in the world, were... were were to me very, very good. Um, unfortunately for Akira Yawani, for me, you know, there, there are long periods of time that he's that he's 
Paul. We we know what ability he can he can um, imprint on a game. You know, we've seen that he seems to play his best rugby against Australia. But we just want to see that that, that consistency uh, across all the teams that the All Blacks come up against. The um, uh, so Adam Christopher, do you think you, you think Shannon Frizzell gets on the plane? I, I think Shannon Frizzell is the first choice six. And if it wasn't for uh, him hitting women in a nightclub uh, down in uh, in the South Island, um, which obviously impacted his selections in 2022, uh, I think that they, I think he's he's the the, the best six, and he's someone that they want to play. Now, uh, do I agree that uh, someone who has uh, done what he does uh, should represent New Zealand in an All Blacks jersey? No, I don't necessarily. Uh, actually, no, I don't. Full stop. Um, the uh, and the lack of contrition that uh, that, that, that we saw uh, in that one, but um, purely on the pitch performances and ignoring the off the pitch things, I think he is the player. Um, he is the best six in the country, and and that's what the All Blacks are looking for going to the Rugby World Cup. So yes, I do think he's probably on the plane at the moment, uh, even if penciled in rather than inked in there, because either his off field shenanigans or a drop in form or an uplift in form by other players could see him off there. Whereas I think. Sam K. Noy Surveyor at Rington already. <clears throat> On that one. Um, look, so much yes, yeah, Schmidt and Ryan uh, will uh, corner Foster to not do daft selections. Um, actually, this is one thing that we should need. To, we, we, we need to um, uh, actually kind of, I guess, uh, talk about here that uh, there is a selection panel. Foster doesn't get to select the players he necessarily wants. Uh, he is part of the panel, but he is not the, he doesn't, uh, He's not the the end decider as to which thing is different to England. England does not have a selection panel. Steve Borthwick um, obviously consults his coaches, but he selects the England team. Whereas in New Zealand, there's always been selectors um, who have a say in who gets selected. So um, the um, uh, so yes, yeah, so that's not necessarily so. So yes, yeah, so on that one, um, uh, I think that uh, yeah, that's what. Um, to me, what's uh, so just an interesting factor in, in this season. It is. It is. It's an, it's, it's an interesting one. It's an interesting one. Um, now, I probably haven't got anything to add on that one, Paul, to be honest. Yeah, it's just an interesting one. Yeah, there's a different setup here in New Zealand. I don't know. We don't get to see the behind-the-scenes things. We don't actually understand it how much that actually impacts selection. But yeah, that's that one. Moving on to Scrum Half then. Aaron Smith, I, I, he's I was, 18. Sorry. I, I was going yeah. to say that usually with these guys, there's always a, a bit of healthy debate. I would imagine when it comes down to, to nailing nailing down the, the the squad the squad that they want at the end of the day. I mean, it's like you can only push a wheelbarrow so far, but I, I would imagine if Foster... I think Foster probably, if he has the final say, it'll be his decision at the end of the day. You can you can just basically see how loyal he is to his uh, his skipper, Sam Kane. You know, he's never he's basically uh, turned away from saying that. Uh, no, we, we he's our captain, and that's that's all there is to it. You know, it's never been questioned, shall I say? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I don't think that he's been forced into having players he doesn't want. Um, but I do. But, it, but it's as I say, it, um, 
and but it, it's kind of I guess it's one of those things where you walk in as the as the head coach, you understand that that's the structure, and you work with that structure. Whereas it was imposed on someone like Checker ahead of ahead of the uh, um, the 2019 Rugby World Cup, where it wasn't something he expected or wanted, um, and so it became a it, it, it became a point of, of of conflict rather than the point of uh, cooperation, which is where I see how it sits in New Zealand rugby. Um, we never seem to question. Uh, we never seem to. We don't ever hear about selection arguments with the selectors. Um, but uh, is it, but it is interesting that it does that officially he doesn't have uh, the entire say on 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 the squad. Um, moving on the scrum half, then Aaron Smith clearly goes to every World Cup as the uh, the number one choice, and then I think it gets pretty muddy after that one. I found it hard to decide which of these two. Well, which which two of the next three next four players were the top two? I think it's Finley Christie and Brad Weber, but I don't know. It could be TJ Perinara. I think he's probably the bottom of the list, but he came back from the All Blacks 15 into the All Blacks full, full squad during the November Internationals. And Flav Fakatar was there as well, who just doesn't seem, seem to be able to keep himself uninjured um, for long enough to, to cement a place. Which order do you have these these um, these five guys in, or these four guys after Aaron Smith? Oh, Paul, I'm I'm a little bit like yourself. Uh, I I'm not totally sold on on Finlay Christie. So for me, TJ Piranara is still part of that that equation. And if I had to go head to head with Brad Weber and Fokatava, I'd actually go Brad Weber. Um, I think. Full out Fakatava's um, will come, but I don't think it'll be this year. And if you think back to the season that that they had, he, you know he was in very very game, game time by this the All Black coaching panel. So I wonder if yep. there's still they, maybe they're not sure either. Okay, so I think it's probably then as you say, Brad uh, Aaron Smith, Brad Weber, and then one of somebody else is currently how it sits. Um, but I don't think Brad Weber's inked his name into the um, onto the, uh, the airplane. Um, first five eight: Richard Moanga, Bowden Barrett. Clearly, they both go to the World Cup. Do we need a third one? When um, and uh, or how does the mix between first five eight and back three um, work out? Um, I'm not sure. But Stephen Perifetta clearly um, is at the airport. If there is injury to one of those two, he's going currently. Um, but um, uh, there are no other uh, sort of fly halves. I put Damian McKenzie in as a back three player currently. Obviously, he can cover. Um, but any other names that we should be that that, that uh, might be hoping to get to the World Cup if there's an injury or two? No, no, I, no. I'd be we'd be clutching at straws, Paul. I, I think what you see, what you see there is what it is. The only real uh, piece that I can't make up my mind is. Stephen Perifetta could be the unlucky player because Damien McKenzie can slot into first five. And boy, his, his, his performance is at, at first five in, in 2020, 2022, both either for Waikato or the New Zealand 15, I thought were, were sensational. So for me, not to mention he is a, he's an established goal kicker. He's played at international level before. Uh, unfortunately for Stephen Perifetta, I think, Damien McKenzie gets on the bus before. Wow, so I think Perifetta can also play fullback as well. 
So, um, but it'll be interesting to see how how uh, you know. I guess Perifet is more a ten that can that can play fifteen, whereas uh, whereas um, D Max more a fifteen uh, or, or or a hybrid of the two. Um, whereas I think Perifet is more a ten that can do rather than the other way around. Yeah. Um, moving into the centres then, and injuries and other things have really made this one a mess. Um, and you might not agree with uh, with the two that I've put there. Rico Wani goes, right? He's the only one that is absolutely inked in. Um, and you can see he's the first choice 13 uh, in the All Blacks' mind. I think Anselm Brown is also inked in to go um, since he came back uh, uh, into the things in, in the... Uh, in, in the um, November, I think Quinton, I think Quinton Pire, um, it, it depends how he comes back from injury and when he comes back. And I think Jack Goodhue, the same applies to him. I think it, how does he come back from injury? But I think those two are the next two cabs off the rank. If depending on how they come off, how they come back from injury. Um, I think Enor um, basically fills in if they need an, if he's, he's the last person there. To fill in when everyone else is injured, RTS. Yep. Will he enter rugby? Yep. I yep, don't know. Go on. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, Braden Enola. Unfortunately, he he is he is the last. He is the Benson Stanley. He's the he's the last man standing because everybody else gets get gets injured. So I I think he goes out of the equation. So you're basically looking at what four players, two places. Unfortunately for Quinn, he's he's behind the eight ball. So all of a sudden you're looking at three going into two. So I think they'll I think they'll take Jack Goodhue. Um I think because I just think that I think that I think they rate him. He's experienced. And then I just think the last place is just a toss-up between uh, two of us, Ashik and David Harvili. And a lot of them will come down to who displays the better form in super rugby. You, you don't think Quinn's Pyre? Gets to go. Uh, I just, th- I just think it's too much to ask for, ask for Paul because I think you've, you're giving these other guys a head start, so it's a monumental opportunity for Leonard Brown, Jack Goodhue, both coming back from injuries. There's also, and we also know David Harvey. Whilst he's he's probably set in that that midfield jersey simply because the likes of Jack Goodhue and Anton Leonard Brown have been injured. Listen, I don't think he's played played too badly, and he offers offers you offers you a, a good kicking game. And listen, if it came down to one ahead of the other, I'd have more trust in David Harvey than I would in two of us. I should. Absolutely, was first choice for the island for the island nationals. I think they actually, I think he's um, so he was first he was first choice for those three internationals against Ireland. Uh, he was playing at 12 with uh, Rico outside. Now, that's with Anselm Brown and Jack Goodhue injured, admittedly. Um, but And obviously with RTS with not enough uh, experience. Uh, but he was ahead of David Havili at that point. So I, I think it does come down to, I think I think he's got the runs on the board um, if he comes back from injury, okay. Um, but that's, so we'll work. Okay, it looks like we'll, I'll, I'll, move, I'll, move, I'll move Quinn back one. On the grounds, um, but um, uh, and uh, on the grounds, yeah, we it's it's those it's those three plus somebody, um, and um, and we'll see how that uh, how that one pans out. Oh no, that one. Simon Hughes says Roger should go back to an NRL. Well, yes, 
Who's that one? Uh, Nocturne Wright says, uh, Jordy Barrett goes in as a 12-15. Um, gets more outside backs in. Well, yes, I mean, that is one of the one of the pieces here. But, I mean, you still have to have three positions out those outside backs. And those outside backs are trying to cover um, to, uh, to 10 as well, folks. So, into the outside backs, I think Will Jordan, Sever Reese, and Jordy Barrett, they all will be going to every World Cup there. Um, I think they, it, it's those are positions for them to lose. Uh, next up, I think Leicester Fying Anuku, um, especially with his ability to play 13 and cover 13 as well as uh, as well as wing, um, is uh, is penciled in. And then I think we've got three players there who are all, well, very good. I mean, Dame McKenzie, Mark Talia, Caleb Clark. If you think, if we go back to 2018, Caleb Clark, it's like, well, he's going on the play. He's, he's in his he's first choice 11. Um, but oh. he tried his hand at the Olympics and hasn't really got back into the swing of things. Yeah, two, two things I'm looking for, for from Caleb uh, Clark this year is to, is to try and recapture that form. Listen, when he first been on the scene, we, we, we all thought, gee, the All Blacks have, have found something sp special here, this powerful kid that can get you over the advan advantage line, beat, beat tackles. We hadn't seen that sort of power running probably since uh, probably Julian Savia was, was playing, out, playing out on the wing, and he looked really, really good. Um, the other thing I want to see from Caleb Clark and something that's just been exposed a little bit is his defence or his reading of defence. Uh, Paul, that's that's what i got to see because I, I think right at the moment he's got Mark Talia absolutely chomping at, it, at his heels because Mark Talia, what he brings <clears throat> to the table is, is just fantastic work rate and just ability to beat players in traffic. He's got strength as well so boy it's it's a real shootout there but i just also want to chuck one other name into the into the mix as, as well multi-talented is sean stevenson yep i think uh uh and um I, I was, it was great to have a chat with sean stevenson during the minor 10 cup i um uh so, someone who's had his issues uh, but actually, uh, no, I'm getting myself mixed up with Solomon Almada. I'm um, sorry, Sean Stevenson. I did talk to him as well um, during uh, the Mighty Ten Cup. But Sean Stevenson, yeah, one of those players who um, has always looked disinterested. <laughs> just not looked. He just doesn't look like he's uh, he's he's uh, he's in there and he's he's energetic and he and, he, and he's um, but and he's got a cracking boot on him. Um, and uh, I don't. Look, whilst that image comes across, I don't think that's really how he feels and how he um, how he plays. Uh, but uh, but yeah, he can look um, look like he's switched off at times on the pitch, which as I say, uh, I think that's detriment to how to how fans see him um, rather than necessarily how he actually plays. Um, uh, Nocturnal Rights reckons that uh, Talia is nailed uh, a test next year. Um, I think they'll take him. Look, I I, I don't think I think he's nailed on as a. Um, I don't think he's nailed on as a starter. Um, and if you're not, I don't think he's nailed into the 23. Um, there was a comment, Nocturne also said, look, McKenzie goes as a 15, third choice 10. You don't need to because Will Jordan can cover 15, right? So do you need that extra cover at 15 um, there? It depends on how you want to juggle um, your cover because um, you can you can you could uh, have Will Jordan and Jordy Barrett covering 15 happily and then say, okay, I'll take Perifetra as a 10 and my third choice 15 rather than 
McKenzie as a 10, as my third choice 10. Um, 15. So there are different ways. There are, there are a number of ways here to skin a cat, um, as they say. Not that I suggest you go around skinning cats, folks, um, even if I do think they killed too many ground-dwelling uh, birds uh, here in New Zealand. Um, but um, the... Uh, but yeah, so it's yeah. It depends. I think a lot of this comes down to, will come down to who the coaches want, rather than who is necessarily the best player. Because I think these players are all very good, and it's about combinations and it's about cover, not necessarily combinations on the pitch, but combinations of do we have the right cover for all the places off the pitch on that one. So if we look at it like this, then Paul, I, I, um, I think go. On. Oh, Paul, I was going to say, I, I think, you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me come the end, end of the season or come towards the, the pointy end of the season when the, the All Black side is eventually picked that most of the players, the, 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 the pet players mentioned, are, are going to be uh, jumping on a plane and heading away to the rugby. But it'll be interesting to watch. The, they've also watched their form during Super Rugby as well Paul, to see if these guys hit the ground running. Yeah, once again, Super Rugby folks, we'll be looking at this on a regular basis and shifting players around because, hey, it's fun. Not <laughs> Whether the players and selection doesn't change week to week, but, hey, it's fun for us to change it from week to week. Um, but looking at this, um, that, uh, this, we've got, I think it's 17 players out of the uh, 31 who were inked in to go to the Rugby World Cup bar injury, um, which, uh, uh, I, which I guess is probably... I'm not sure is it, whether we think that's is it, do you think that's high or low that actually we don't even know we don't even have 23 players here at the moment who are inked in, which I think is perhaps a little bit um, a bit of a surprise. I, I would have thought we should have probably have had 23 inked in uh, as in the starting 23, but I don't think we know what that is at the moment. Um, Stephen, I, I was going to say, doesn't that mirror Foster's rain rain if you think about it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just tells you where we are at uh, heading into the heading into the year. So as I say, we'll look at this on a regular basis, join Super Rugby folks and juggle it all around. I've kept Stephen far too long. Thank you so much for joining me yet again. Don't forget, folks, back here next Tuesday uh, as um, I think that's the final one before the uh, Six Nations kicks off. So uh, we'll have to have a look forward um, and give you a totally, well, from my point of view, uneducated preview of the Six Nations as to where it will go. Um, Stephen, you're uh, wagging your finger at me. So um, what have I missed? Yeah, no, I just want a quick shout out to uh, broadcaster Ian Smith, who's departed ways with uh, Sky TV. I know he's a former cricket international, but heard his dulcet tones, uh, tones on the uh, line for many a many a rugby game and Sky TV. So uh, to see uh, said to see us move on, but uh, sixty-five years old, and uh, he just said it was probably. Probably time to have another voice on the sideline, but I've always enjoyed not just his uh, commentary when it comes to cricket, but also his expert comments when it Well, Stephen and I will have to take a different view on this one. Thank God we're actually having some refreshing of players and we don't, we're, uh, refreshing of voices on the road, on, on, on the tee, and these guys who are in their 60s and 70s, still talking about the, uh, still, still giving commentary. Um, look, time for Nesbitt to go as well, please. Um, it's, it really is time for us to, to have some turnover um, and uh, let, let's have some fresh voices in there and not necessarily voices who are ex-players, okay? 
um, ex-players do not necessarily make good pundits or good commentators. Uh, how about trying to find some professional commentators and good co commentators and pundits, um, folks? Because uh, yes, uh, the, but um, yeah, but yeah, it's time for play. It's time for these guys to get out of the way and let some younger guys come through. The problem with New Zealand is <laughs> there's only one place you can actually work, and hence once you get that job, you never let go because you've got nothing else to get because there's nowhere else you can go. Um, and it does block the talent coming through. Um, but um, Stephen is shaking his head and disagrees with me. But there you go. That's my opinion, folks, uh, on, on, on that one. And uh, it's, it's fine that we do differ. But um, uh, yeah, he's had a cracking career. Uh, he's done very well. And look, he's still got his radio show on SENZ. Um, and uh, he's still got plenty of other work coming in. Stephen. Yeah. No, listen, he'll do okay. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure he'll get picked up to to do a few things around the traps and um, i know he's well loved in australia as well so i'm pretty sure he'll pick up some work for uh, for fox for foxtel who knows he may he may have picked up a job with him but he's just keeping quiet about it <laughs> well he was wasn't he over, wasn't he over there for the um uh for the all blacks sorry for the, sorry, for the black um, black caps tests anyway so i think i think he yeah uh, uh, i did read somebody does his best work when commentating on uh, in in a, in, a, in a room with all the other commentators being Australian, um, <laughs> surrounded by the enemy, uh, as it were. Um, cool. Uh, we'll uh, catch you next week, uh, and I say probably looking forward to the Six Nations and um, cheerio. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 